Hey guys, I am Caleb Giddings, and welcome back to Gunday Brunch. This episode of Gunday Brunch is brought to you by Taurus USA and Guns.com. If you're looking for information on defensive firearms for law-abiding American citizens who maybe don't have enough money for a Wilson Combat Super Grade Turbo Professional or whatever the hell gun it was, Melody got us her second carry gun, go to TaurusUSA.com. And if you'd like to purchase one of those fine defensive firearms, you can go ahead and click the link to go to our friends at guns.com make your purchase have the gun shipped to an ffl dealer and we'll be off to the races from there so we are back with melody lauer uh you guys may have noticed that we're wearing the exact same clothes we were wearing in part one uh that's called continuity what we did was we took a whole week off then came back and redressed in the exact same clothes reset our background so they look exactly the same and then shot this episode all right, but what we're going to do, so last week we talked about uh, two two very important things, off-body carry and access to, you know, uh, unauthorized access to firearms and also like time and developmental awareness for when you can start teaching your kids about gun safety. And this week we're going to pivot a little bit and we're going to talk about gear. Why? Because you fucking people love gear. So, wait. That wasn't too early in the episode to say the F word. Uh, Might have been. Oh, well. We don't actually monetize this show on YouTube, which is nice. It means we can get away with a lot more uh, than if I was trying to, like, beg the YouTube gods for pennies for every episode. But so what we're going to talk about this episode, a little bit of gear. And the first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Melody, uh, what is – if there was one self-defense item that you think any parent should carry – like, every parent – should carry on them at all times. What is it and why? I'd have to say it'd be pepper spray. Um, Same, I, I 100% why, agree. Well, and the reason why is because, and this kids is, are being this shit, is over, you can give them a little bit of a. Yeah, absolutely. Do not pepper no, spray your child. Uh, child protective services, that does not happen. I've never pepper sprayed my child um, yet. The, so <laughs> what, um, the reason why it's important when you have children around is exactly why it's important for when you don't have kids around, which is, but, but here's the, the kid specific part of it. When you are with your children, some of your options for defense, for self-defense are not as available to you as if you're by yourself. Right. And one of those being like, I can't just turn and be like, bye. If I've got three kids with me, you know? Uh, because I'm not just going to leave all three of my kids standing around going like, oh, but now what are we supposed to do? Right. You so can't leave. To- <laughs> you, you can't abandon your children and leave them behind. Right. I mean, you could, but I'd have questions about your parenting. <sighs> but um, so in those, and we could talk about that actually. It's the thing about that. But anyways, so when you have your children with you and you can't immediately leave, you might have to. St- not necessarily stay in a confrontation, but you might have to deal with the confrontation longer than you otherwise would have had to. And that might mean using, as Chuck Tiger would say, enough force soon enough to prevent you from having to use more force later. So mm-hmm. if I have an option to to shut down an, an escalating encounter with a little spicy treats that keeps it from developing into something that's maybe potentially more dangerous for me or for my loved ones, I would be, it would be ridiculous of me not to do that, especially with my children present. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and the other thing too, you know, the other thing with pepper spray, and I think people do not understand this, and this is a this is something that I foot stomp in every conversation I have about pepper spray, and I think that everybody should foot stomp as well, is pepper spray is a lower level of force than punching someone in the face. You can use pepper spray at a lower level of confrontation legally than you need to articulate than if you decide to sock someone in the eye or throw an elbow on them or do jujitsu to them. Because at any time that you actually go hands-on with a person, that is considered a higher level of force than just giving them the spicy breath mints and being like, get away from me. Now, if you give them the spicy breath And do you want to be doing that with your two-year-old or your three-year-old or your four-year-old right next to you? Well, and I think that's one of the things that people, you know, they don't, they don't think about, I, okay, and I'm not throwing shade at other parents. I did not think about it before having a child was that having a small child or even, you know, a teenager with you changes the math on involuntary to voluntary confrontations. You know, a confrontation that may have been involuntary, that may be involuntary for me when I'm out going for a run by myself may become involuntary because if I'm pushing a stroller, because it may change my ability to escape. It may change my ability to evade. It may be that instead of a hobo, you know, yelling at me and saying, hey, man, you got some change. They're yelling at my child in the stroller. I'm going to have a way different response to that, both emotionally and physically. So one of the things that I would say and why pepper spray is such a great idea is because your ability to de-escalate or not interact with confrontation changes when you have a child it's important to have an option uh to again steal a line from chuck haggard in between harsh words and a gun uh also if you haven't trained with chuck haggard i don't know what you're doing go train with chuck he's the freaking best and his pepper spray class is absolutely phenomenal which i actually haven't taken the pepper spray class i really need to rectify that but i took his pepper spray instructor class Oh, well, there you go. You can teach me a pepper spray class. That's there. <laughs> we'll solve all of our problems with one fell swoop. Now, uh, the next thing that I wanted to ask you about is a um, – it's a little bit of a Hollywood trope, and it's a little bit of how you see people managing kids and gunfights in TV and movies. And it's almost always their hold – and if you're listening to the audio version of this, I'm going to do the best job I can to describe this. But they are almost always holding the child – in front of their body, maybe semi-bladed at a 45-degree angle and shooting strong hand only, right? Now, you've done a lot of research for your armed uh, parent class about people with kids and how they actually interact in shootings. And would you say that that's an accurate representation of what people really do when there's gunfire and they have children around or no? Um, it's actually pretty accurate. So, yeah. and there's a couple of reasons for that. One, especially the more trained you are, the more trained you are, the less likely you are to change your stance. So right. if, which is good, honestly. Um, so if I have something in my you arms spend 30 and, minutes arguing about stance. <laughs> no. Um, so if I, if I'm pretty well trained and I've, I've practiced this one handed, whatever it is extensively, and you put something in my arms, I'm not probably going to change very much. Uh, mm -hmm. And we see that over and over and over again with like police officers, uh, some private citizens, there's not as much video of private citizens as there are police officers, of course. Um, but now that being said, there is a psychological component to this. And 
there are going to, and, and there's a lot of reasons why if, if you come to the armed parent class, we don't teach ablated, we don't teach putting your body between your, between the gun and your child. Uh, and there's a, several reasons for that. Uh, it, it doesn't actually do you much good. Um, also, the priority for you should be to end the fight. Like if you got to the point where gunfire is necessary, that is the priority. It, mm. You know, the priority is ending the fight. And so when we first started investigating this this issue, we started with the premise that the priority was get the child out of the fight because you don't want the child in this lethal fight, right? That's the best way to protect them. But we realized very, very quickly through force on force and through, um, you know, trial and error that we got shot, the kid got shot, everybody got shot when the priority was protecting and getting the child out of the fight. So we had to rethink our priorities and go, well, what if we just made the priority just ending the fight and getting, you know, good solid hits on target? Like I said, this is if a gun is necessary. And that became our priority and everything else was secondary. As it turned out, the gunfights ended a lot sooner and we got shot a lot less and our kids got shot a lot less. So, so when we prioritized if... good shooting and shooting rapidly and decisively, it helped everything. So anything that you try to do as far as like changing your stance to better protect or, you know, all of that is secondary and it's not going to actually help your goal. So if we were to make that in like a, a little pull quote that someone could yank out of this episode, would it be that getting out of a avoiding or escaping the confrontation is always the primary goal right up until it's time to shoot. And when it's time to shoot, shoot. Yeah, uh, when it's time to shoot, shoot, don't talk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that's, that's, that's exactly where I was going with that. But well, and I think that's interesting because you see that that same logic is reflected in uh, different tactical communities, right? You know, for the longest time, and you remember this, you've been around, for the longest time, everybody was obsessed with being able to shoot on the move. Uh, and mm -hmm. there was a lot of pre- 20 years of constant warfare that made people want to think that shooting on the move was the best idea. And one of the things that we learned now, I'm not saying that you should never shoot on the move. I'm not saying it's a useless skill that you should never practice or anything like that, because like everything, there are applications for it. Okay. But one of the things that we kind of learned from 20 years of the global war on terror was that if you need to move, you need to move. You need to be focused on moving from wherever it is that you are to getting wherever it is that you need to be, especially if you are moving from a position of cover to another position of cover or something like that. And slowing down to try to shoot is not necessarily a great idea. Now, again, there's a lot of caveats on that, like things like automatic weapons and suppressing fire and stuff like that. But there was there has been a good lesson. And I think you've seen that start to reflect in some of the higher end training where people are like, hey, Move when you need to move, but when it's time to shoot, you need to shoot, and you need to shoot well. Uh, Jared Reston had a bit about that in a class I took from him where he said, when your teammate is moving, the only cover they have in the open is the muzzle of your gun, so make sure that you're shooting well. And I was like, that's really smart. Well, it's it's the concept of any time you, you are trying to accomplish, accomplish two things at one time, you can do one thing well at a time. Mm -hmm. And any time you try to do more than one thing well, you're not going to – any one of those things – is not going to be done well. And that, that goes right. for products. If you got a multi-purpose product, it's probably not going to do whatever those multi-purposes are well. You can either have my two and one does one thing. Great. 
<laughs> really well, or you can have one thing that does multiple things. Okay. And the same is for this. Like if it's time to shoot, then you need to put all of your energy and effort and, and skill into shooting. And if it's time to defend your kit or get your kit out or whatever, then you need to be putting your energy and effort into that. But you can't do both at the same time. And I think when it comes back to, you know, kids in particular, is that you, a lot of times because we love our kids so much, we don't want them to be hurt. The the kind of natural instinct, and a lot of times this just comes, it does come very naturally. We have almost this like baby bird sort of, I'm going to collect my kids to me and I am going to stand in the gap. And, and the closer they are to me, the more protected they will be. When it comes to projectile weapons, that's the opposite because most of the time, anything that is going to be coming your way is coming. It's, it's, it's directed towards you. Now we could talk about, and, and we do in the class, we talk about the difference between violence directed at you as the adult and your kids just happen to be present for it versus violence that is specifically directed toward children because they are two very different things. Uh, um, but when the when the violence is directed at you, you actually want your kids to be as far away from you as humanly possible because the the violence isn't going to suddenly be directed to towards them right. if it's not already directed towards them. But you still need to, you know, if you can direct the violence away, but that's not a priority. The priority is, okay, if I need to actually respond to this violence with violence, then all of my focus needs to be in, in doing this the best I know how, and all the other stuff is secondary. So again, and that goes back to the, you know, it is important to, uh, when it's time to, when it's time to fight, the first goal should be to win the fight. Uh, and, you know, I was thinking about that as you were talking and, you know, it, let, let's say that you're in a two-way, uh, you know, you're in a two-way exchange of bullets. Uh, I actually would not want my child around me because when people are getting shot at, you know what they tend to do? Shoot back, right? And I yeah. don't want him to be near the area where the shooting back is happening. So, you know, there's a lot for people to think about. And the idea that, and, and I, I totally understand this because I remember when you know, I was first presented with this as a concept, the idea that scooping your child up in your arms and trying to fight your way out of the problem while carrying them isn't the best idea or may not be the best idea is actually kind of difficult for people to wrap their heads around. Because if you're a good parent, if you care about protecting your child, your first instinct is my child is safe when they are with me. Um, sometimes that might be necessary, you know, yeah, for sure. that might be, that might be what you find yourself in. This is an active shooter, or this is something, and your best, your best response is to scoop your kid up and run and make the best of it, but know that it's, it's the, the best worst response. You know what I mean? Like, mm. um, and a lot of things, and this is something that we don't talk about a whole lot is sorry about this oh that's okay <laughs> that if you're times... uh, just listening there is a black cat running around Mel uh melody's camera so <laughs> yeah um and he he wants all the attention right now um and but where a lot of this i guess the confusion comes from is there are a lot of people who get their tactics and their ideas about protecting kids from executive protection work which is completely and different Oh, yeah. And it's just where they forget that executive protection work is so entirely different from what parents have to do. One, because when you're talking about executive protection work, the principal, the, the person that you're protecting, 
is almost 100% of the time the intended target of the violence, whether it's the intended target of the kidnapping, whether it's the intended target of the assassination, whatever that is. Whereas with parents and kids, the kids are almost never, thank God, thank God, the kids are almost never the target of violence. And so it's an entirely different problem and therefore it requires an entirely different solution. Two, obviously, if you're working executive protection and you have a high value target or principal, you're probably going to be wearing body armor. So it makes sense that you would interject yourself between mm-hmm. between the attacker and the principal because you are armored for that exact situation. Whereas if you are just a mom or dad running around, you don't have that. And it's unless you keep level as, fours in your diaper bag. Keep your plates in your which, diaper bag. You know, there you if, go. if you do that, uh, God bless you. <laughs> But that's not something I've I've quite you know decided to to try just yet. I would like to apologize to our viewers who are getting motion sick from the shaking on Melody's camera because the cat is uh, doing cat things. But hey, that's part of the game. Um, if we all right, so next question, and here's one that I I should have probably prepped you with. But if there is one, what what's the? Let me run this through my in my in my head filter for a second. What is the most common mistake that you see parents who want to carry guns around their kids making? And I'm not talking about like a tactical mistake, but just like a lifestyle mistake. Like what do you see that people frequently do wrong or maybe not even wrong? Maybe that's too harsh a word, but just do that's suboptimal. Oh, man, that is a good question. That is a very good question. I think it's one of the things that I see. And actually this this is true for people who don't have kids, but it's particularly true for people who do have kids. They fail to really think through the how of whatever it is that they're trying to accomplish. The greatest example I have of that is someone who has a gun, right? They put the gun in a bag or they put the gun in a holster, but the holsters, like you said, underneath the tula and the kids sitting on top of it. And they're thinking, well, I just have the gun. And so therefore I can use the gun. And it's like, well, how, how are you going to use that? Like if, if I had a knife and I'm coming after you, you know, Michael Myers style, what is the process that you are going to go through to actually get that gun out and use it? And when you actually, when they actually have to start thinking through that and realize like, oh, it's going to take me 15, I'm going to have to undo all these buckles and yeah, lift like my clip up, and, and then and... I have to get my grip, like, I'm going to be dead six times till Sunday just to get my gun out. And there is this sort of, and this, this sort of like, well, I have the thing, so therefore I can do the thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and like I said, that's a problem for everybody. That's not just a problem, but it, but the problem is definitely exacerbated by having kids because they come with all these other things with them, right? Like they're right. like, well, I would, I would just flee. Well, what are you going to do with your three-year-old? Uh, how are you going to take that two-year-old with you in a way that you don't actually increase the, the, the chance that your response, and this is something that people definitely don't think about when it comes to kids. If I decide that I need to shoot you and I pull a gun and I just start launching bullets at you and my three-year-old is terrified and wandering around, if I have not accounted for that, what are the chances that my kid can wander between me and you 
and actually become in danger of my response. Like we don't like to think about the fact that we could injure something, somebody that we love because we're not taking them to account when we're responding violently. So if, you know, again, to, so to try to put not a, uh, a bow on this, cause I use that phrase way too much, but to kind of try to sum that thought up, would you say that one of the problems that you see with parents and really with concealed carriers in general is they're not necessarily thinking through the second and third order uh, consequences of carrying a gun. They're like, I have my gun, I'm going to protect my child. And they don't necessarily think about the, okay, but what ifs? They don't stage plan to borrow a phrase yeah. from the competition shooting community, which that's actually the side note. I'm going to sidebar this for a second. One of the people I've seen this all the time where people are like, oh, well, you can't stage plan for the real world like you do for a USPSA match. The fuck you can't stage plan all the time. Look, and I, I again, I use myself as an example for this, not because I'm perfect, but because I do this stuff, right? So, you know, when I walk into you, and I'm not like, there, there's a line between stage planning for the real world and being that guy. And we want to avoid being that guy, right? Like I always sit my, with my back to the wall so I can see all the entrances. That's, yeah. that's that guy. Don't be that guy. However, when you yeah. walk into a restaurant or a store, if you look around and you go, okay, there's an exit over there. There's an exit over there. If there was an active shooter in here, people are likely to flee towards the front exit because that's what's wired in them. How can I avoid that crush of people and get cover and concealment for myself? That's stage planning for the real world. And you can do that wherever you go. You can do that in Costco. You can do that with your kids present. A friend of mine used to do uh, performance race car driving, and he said, you know, just because you're not going 110 miles an hour doesn't mean you can't pick apexes, right? It doesn't mean you can't look into a corner and drive through it with the same precision and fluidity that you would if you were trying to go 110 through that corner. And I think that applies to this as well, where as a parent, you can stage plan for the real world while you're at Culver's, while you're at Costco, while you're doing these things without turning into that guy. And I think that the side effect of that is you become more in general prepared because things that are more likely to happen than an active shooter is a fire or the need to evacuate the restaurant. And if you've already figured out how you would escape and evade from a crush of people that are fleeing the gunmen. You've also now figured out how you would escape and evade from a crush of people that are fleeing a fire. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's, yep. there is logic to the process beyond just getting ready for a gunfight that probably isn't going to happen. All right, Melody, we have time for one more question. Uh, okay. And with this one more question, uh, I'm going to ask you, uh, Aside from the Citizens Defense Research Armed Parent Guardian or Concealed Carry for Parents class, if there is one class that you think – so if there is one class aside from the one that you teach, which I actually – so I've taken it, and I think everybody – I think you should take it even if you're not a parent or you know someone in charge of children or something like that, and you just care about carrying a gun safely around other human beings. You should definitely take TAP-G or Concealed Carry for Parents. I think that's a it's a phenomenal class. Uh, I strongly recommend it. I've taken it. I'll be taking it again in the near future. Um, but if there is a class aside from that that you think people should take, what would it be? From us or from anybody? From anyone. From anyone. 
we're not i'm i am not in the business of siloing off instructors and being like oh well you shouldn't train from so and so except for this there's one guy but anyway i'm kidding yeah no but and man that's 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 hard i mean because like the typical answer is like a ecqc type type class and well i think that's very valuable i i would not necessarily say like that's a one class that you should take although i think that you should definitely take a muck um, wherever you can get it what does muck mean for the context. thank you yeah yeah managing unknown context which he does teach muck separately from ecqc i think that is one of the most valuable portions if if you could only get muck by going to ecqc then fine go to ecqc but there are other people who do teach muck so that would be my one my one thing is like get yourself to a muck um which mm -hmm. he does he does open up muck to general public before he usually teaches ecqc so you can just take muck yeah no, i know i would 100 i almost phrased the question is what class would it be and why is it managing unknown contacts <laughs> uh, because so the the value for that and for people who don't you know who carry a gun the the thing about managing unknown contacts and i and this is you know i've had to do this as a parent uh significantly so i am super weird about people getting close enough to touch my kid I don't like it, uh, especially, and I live in the South and there's a lot of well-meaning strangers who will walk up to your kid's stroller. Uh, not so much now that he's four, um, but when he was younger, you would get a lot of like, mm -hmm. oh, he's so cute. Can I touch him? No. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and one we can of have the a whole conversation about establishing boundaries for your kids, but yeah. Well, that's and one, one of the things that was valuable about managing unknown contacts was learning that it is okay to say a hard no to people, you know, and that frequently I've seen that reset people, uh, you know, somebody's coming up like, Oh, your kid's so cute. What's his name? Like reaching into the stroller. And I go, Hey, stop. And they're like, uh, yeah. what? I was just gonna, I'm like, I understand. However, I don't like it when people touch my child without asking me for permission first. And then honestly, that's the best thing that COVID ever gave us. COVID gave us Oh my gosh, yes. Excuse. It gave us a physical barrier. Well, and it gave us an excuse and permission to socially tell people, stop, get away from me. Yes. And get that is that is literally the best germs. thing. Get your yes. dirty, grubby hands away from my kid, you nasty. Sorry, that's a completely different no, conversation. Yeah. Get your germs away from my kid. All right. Well, Melody, your kids I want deserve say, that. Yeah. They really do. All right, so Melody, uh, we're going to wrap up. First things first, where can people find more information about you, the classes you're teaching, uh, and signing up for those classes? So citizensdefenseresearch.com is our website. Uh, we're pretty active on social media, particularly Facebook, Instagram. Um, and then all of our classes that are currently going are listed on Eventbrite. So if you just actually, if you just Google Eventbrite Citizens Defense Research, that's it'll come right up and you'll see everything that we're currently offering. And uh, we are currently in the process of building out classes for 2024 as we speak. So uh, if you don't see a concealed carry for parents on there and you really, really want to take it, uh, have like take two deep breaths and it will be on there, you know, shortly. Also, by the time this episode comes out, because this won't come out for a couple of weeks, uh, who knows? Maybe we could have just like a full rack of classes on there. It's amazing. For sure. But anyway, that is it for this week's episode of Gun Day Brunch. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you very much, Melody, for coming on. I super appreciate it, uh, especially with Jack and 
teeth off, you know, on a honeymoon. So thanks. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you everyone for liking, sharing, subscribing. Make sure that if you do subscribe to us on YouTube, you go ahead and hit that notification bell so you know when a new episode comes out. I messed up my end of the show ad read and that is going to irritate me. Thanks everybody for watching. We will be back next week with an all new episode.